I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talk to the Audience where this is always death. I am one of your hosts, Bob Mackey, named Vulture Magazine's Man of the Year, who is here with me today as always. Hey, it's Henry Gilbert and don't worry, this won't have a fan art contest attached to it. And if uh, it did, we would pay you money. Yes, yeah. Or give you a subscription or something. It's something. Some sort of uh, compensation. But yes, this is the Community Podcast. On this podcast, it launches at the end of the month for patrons. On the beginning of the month for people on the free feed and what we do in this podcast is we talk about what's happening in the Simpsons world and in our world and we also respond to your questions and comments from the last month's worth of episodes and it's been a pretty eventful month uh, much more than last month we're yeah. both busy uh, busy in our personal lives rather mm-hmm. and uh, the Simpsons world is very busy too and we have announcements to make and all kinds of fun things to talk about so it's going to be a fun episode of talk to the audience yeah, it's it's a it's been a good kind of busy month but a busy hectic month uh all for good reasons though, no no yes. covid anybody this month no COVID yeah, for anybody. wow this is a rare a rare month where neither of us are talking about recovering from covid and i've traveled yeah hey, me too yeah and still still stayed uh, covid you know maybe that bivalent booster is doing its thing i didn't yeah. get one. Oh no still right, doing the yeah. research on it no <laughs> i got covid so i have to wait until like right. december to get it, unfortunately I that time there'll be a trivalent booster yes. or something yeah <laughs> i can't wait i got my flu shot though mm, so oh yeah. uh, any disease may assault me at will i can fend it off <laughs> but as for the simpsons news let's talk about that so uh yes yeah, season 34 is rolling on and i've watched a few of these there's been four new episodes to talk about by the way uh, since the last uh, talk to the audience went live this is one i missed uh, it's called One Angry Lisa. It features the return of Jane Kaczmarek as uh, Constance Harm. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has not been back since uh, season 21, all the way back in 2010. So this character returning for the first time in uh, 13 years. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun uh, seeing. It. It's it's an average-ish episode, uh, all things considered. Like Marge, Homer buys Marge a Peloton, and she or uh, a parody version of it. One of the better jokes in the episode is going like, uh, 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 he says the, he says Peloton and he goes like, Oh, I mean the fake name. Okay. Yeah. The, but so it's sort of like uh, Legoland, Blockoland kind yes, of thing. Yeah. Uh, and then Lisa gets sent a jury duty notice and it's just jokes about her being on the jury. Uh, and that kind of ends in a cul-de-sac, but the biggest surprise for me was yes, that, out walks Judge Constance Harm, and I was like, "Well, did they really get Jane Kaczmarek?" And then it was her talking. I was like, "Well, all right." Okay. Well, she's not too busy lately. I guess not. Yeah, and well, uh, you know what? As as we have seen through doing um, Zoom based podcast or long distance remote podcast recording, I think a lot of people over the uh, the pandemic learned that they could do voice acting remotely very easily for a good uh, good paycheck. Anyone can be a Simpsons guest star. Yes. Even yeah. us. <laughs> we know people are uh, listening. Uh, man, you know Al Jean is wishing they could have done that back when they did you know, the softball episode and they had to wait for uh, teams to come into town and all that stuff. They didn't stuff. have to be frightened by Jose Canseco. <laughs> uh, bullied more like. I yeah. think so. Uh, yeah, and it was funny because uh, the beginning of the month we had the return of Constance Harm 
And then towards the end of the month, we had uh, basically to spoil the end of the uh, Krusty episode, he becomes a Judge Judy style character. Mm-hmm. And they basically just do the same jokes they did for Constance Harm in season 12. Yeah, the exact same jokes. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. It's like tortured <laughs> metaphors to yell at poor people. Now, that episode also uh, had the return of a guest star who had forsaken their previous character and given it oh. up to Natasha Leone. And <laughs> Drew, yeah. Drew Barrymore appears to play herself. Uh, meanwhile, she had turned down returning, or she did, I guess I can't say that for sure, she did not return to to play uh, Krusty's daughter. Sophie. Sophie. In Boring Natasha character. Over. Yes, yeah. Uh, but yeah, actually, now that you mentioned that, I didn't even think of that. Sophie should have showed up. Yeah, if, yeah. Uh, if Drew Barrymore was in the room or like remote <laughs> or whatever, or in her cavernous, cavernous talk show uh, studio mm-hmm. or whatever, I don't know. But she's a nice one. But uh, that's getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Anyway, yes. the Lisa, Lisa, one angry Lisa... You would think that that's not the B story based on that being the title, but of course, uh, it was an Al Jean controlled episode, a showrun episode. So, of course, the title of it had to be a very old movie. Yeah, speaking yeah. of old movie references, uh, <laughs> Lisa the Boy Scout, of course, uh, spoilers. The title of this episode does not indicate what it's about mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. because it is just a series of like robot chicken style sketches <laughs> with a not very funny framing device that I didn't care for very much. I like the little clips. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish that they had stuck to a theme or played around more with the past of The Simpsons. Uh, some of them were very funny. Some of them were like, okay... Al Jean approved this Field of Dreams parody. Yeah, that's the yes. There's a few that like feel and like some the were old like, band. when was this written? Because there's like one little clip of Lisa in a restaurant ordering veal. I'm like, okay, I'm rolling. I'm, I'm rolling my eyes so hard. It's just like yeah. the most obvious vegan joke. They secretly like meat. Everybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. Especially the veal jokes are actually in that blame it on Lisa episode. I was just preparing for. They already have a joke about that. Of like, come on, Lisa, it's vacation. Have meat. You're on vacation. Uh, but I, uh, it was written by uh, pr- a previous uh, interviewee, Dan Graney. Yeah, it's good to see him back. I think he's a consulting producer now. Yeah, I, th- I believe Mike Mitchell tipped us off that there was a little paring down of the executive producers by Disney. Yeah, that's what it seemed uh, like. Well, there were 64 executive producers on the show. <laughs> it was quite a lot. Yeah. I, I could see that being a problem. But yeah, the uh, I, I, okay. I liked it other than, yes, the anonymous people and eh, not so funny, uh, but I did like that it was titled Lisa Boy Scout, that it starts with what seems like a bad corny episode of The Simpsons. Lisa wants to be a Boy Scout and she's better at it than Bart. And then they slash right through to like, no, no, we're not doing a, a bad episode. And the my favorite stuff, honestly, this is going to sound like an old man who loves his old Simpsons. I'm going there too. But it's when they could prove that they could animate how it used to look like and it looked good. Yes. That's what I want. They did a scene where Bart goes back to the past to like season one, uh, mm-hmm. but it looked more like season three. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that my own thoughts were you can make the show look like this. Yeah. Do I this mean, all the time. This color, the colors were the way the colors used to be, not their flatter colors now. The uh, the lines were darker. They even I I got to give the animators big credit. They had like cell shadows replicated. Yes, even. Yeah. yeah. And there weren't the awkward like just overly elaborate lighting schemes in every room where you can see like shadows cast upon walls and mm-hmm. every detail and every spine of every book. It just was the way. <laughs> This old man likes The Simpsons. Yeah. And they even had the mouth charts were like how they used to be of going past where their uh, muzzles were. And and also when they did the, 
uh, dealing with the all of the fan theories, including Homer's been in a coma since he fell in the gorge one. And when he woke up from that, they animated that to look just like the episode. They even had so great in the middle. Bart is just doing a front-facing awkward positioning in it mm-hmm. to make it look like the old stuff. Uh, and I say, guys do a whole stunt episode that's animated like that go nuts man yeah i feel like the clips were i wish they had some common theme i mean the framing device was uh we're going to show you all of these cut scenes from the simpsons to destroy disney and number one stop stop mentioning disney i'm sick of it yes we know you're owned by disney i just don't want to hear about it anymore it's not funny i feel like per capita they mentioned being owned by fox less it's it's been i think so it's been three years and the jokes about disney are not nearly as uh, scathing it's more like we're terrified of this huge company that owns us aren't they great (laughs) the joke is that they're scared not that they spit in the eye of them or say they own chemical weapons plants yes yeah they never do that or that like bob uh uh, sorry chapek is in jail yes they god could you imagine that one uh, they wouldn't do that no no but, yeah uh, i just uh i mean points for trying i mm-hmm. wish they played more with the past of the show i wish there was a cohesive theme to the clips but i was entertained by it and you know what uh, even though it was very dry and dusty and was covered in cobwebs they found a new spin on a field of dreams parody although yes, yeah. the critic one was much funnier mm-hmm. where all the baseball players they summon act like they would have in the 40s and 30s and they're all like racist and drunks <laughs> that was good that yeah. was a better one uh though yeah i uh we just talked about them shitting all over the uh, canadian football league as well uh in in season two so 32 yeah. years later another uh, reference to uh rouges <laughs> that's right in this episode you know the the two other things i wanted to say about was i love that the one they treated as it, it was such a great inside joke that the one they treated as the ultimate this will destroy the show is Santa's little helper coming in and talking and acting like a person because that is like I think yeah. rule number one <laughs> against it for Matt Groening that's Matt Groening's nightmare but then they later they show uh, actual clips of the show yes including yeah. the jockey elves scene <laughs> uh, I think they should have some guts and show the mod death scene you know yeah that's like yeah. The, the jockey elves scene it's fine now that <laughs> that didn't ruin the show mod dying did I though I mean when they show burns with his eyeballs i was like oh, wait yeah that did happen Ugh. yeah I, I think i might have seen that one uh with <laughs> nina in which uh, they take this like happiness medication but it makes their eyes fall out right boy that's weird, very weird that's a weird one yeah, yeah. it uh but yeah i uh, i like them taking chances that's what's fun and and sadly uh whenever we do that live show we have planned we're going to have to talk about it as well because yeah. they do an entire joke about predicting the future hey we predicted yeah. that episode <laughs> By planning our live show first. That's true. Oh, and last thing I'll say, though, too, is I saw a crummy thing on Twitter, which was, look, Matt Selman, he's used to it, where he, like, so he, quote, tweeted a scene from the episode where Martin, the joke of Martin is actually a 34-year-old man doing, a, uh, I guess, a, a well, undercover thing at the school. Uh, and so Matt Selman, quote, tweets it, like, I can't believe the show, this ruined the show, this, <laughs> this all out of continuity thing. And he got so many replies of like you ruined the show of like who didn't get the joke but that also happened to definitely to christine nangle and brody gupta two of the newer writers on the show who are also women Mm -hmm. uh which might explain why they got a ton of shit like you were ruining the simpsons you don't even know what you're talking about when they were joking about how they wrote a joke on the show 
that they thought would never get in it because uh, it was too ridiculous, and then it was put in that episode. And uh, yeah, yeah, people are very rude to Matt Selman on Twitter, <laughs> not knowing who he is. When he tweets yeah. about the show, people will respond like, "Why is this even on? It sucks so much." Uh, and uh, I, I mean, I, I bet they look back to the No Homers Club days uh, of like, "Well, that was you know uh, heaven." Yes, people yeah. can't directly come up to my doorstep and say I suck and I'm bad at my job. I have to go to a forum to see them complain about me. Uh, it's true. Yeah, it used to it used to be uh much more uh sequestered from from their eyes they, yeah they could only what was that story bill oakley told that he said that he like asked for printouts of what they were saying on some forum one day and then he threw it in the trash at the end of the day like that. there were no more printouts brought in of news groups <laughs> right right uh and then there's another weird episode this month that uh we were talking before the show it was sort of like a, a in defense of ellen a little bit uh yeah. because crusty uh it's also like my wife watches these shows and i hate her so much <laughs> it is a little of that it feels it like the parodies of the view we recently talked about on the show just like husbands mad that their wives are watching these daytime talk shows although they're nice to drew barrymore but it's like crusty the clown shows are out harmless daytime talk shows are in where you're dancing and you know you playing drink. fun games with guests yeah you drink for you dance for drinking wine moms mm -hmm. that's what you dance for and uh it also i mean i think it is perfectly cast that Lindsay nagel would be the evil producer of this show and it's not a terrible like marge gets a job thing because sure marge would come up with the kind of like wacky ideas that would be on one of those shows like you know instagram dog reviews or whatever but yeah the it's clearly pulled from the real headlines of ellen degeneres her show ending because during the pandemic it came out that she is actually quite mean and also has some very had some very mean producers who would pretty much torture uh interns all day long but this episode does make Krusty look exactly like Ellen, mm -hmm. but then say that like, oh, actually, Krusty's just incredibly checked out and doesn't know anything that is going on here, which kind of absolves him of, of sin a bit too much. He even I'd says say. on the show, this is the only workplace I haven't been problematic in. Yes, yeah. There, which... there is no miss no means no <laughs> on the sets for him. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but yes, and then Drew Barrymore appears. That was one of those ones where it felt like classic Simpsons advertising to me where i saw her cameo in my twitter feed before i watched the episode and i thought like oh okay so she must be featured somewhere in the middle right and like no it's the post credits they just put the post credits gag on twitter to promote the episode even though it's like the end of the episode gag. you know i don't think that was on the hulu version i watched oh really the post credit scene i don't think oh, so oh, wow. there was a post credit scene with Lin uh, Lindsay nagel but oh, okay. there was no Drew Barrymore uh, Marge scene after the credits. Oh, really? Why do I say oh. after? After the credits, <laughs> after. excuse me. Okay, well, I, I definitely saw it. Oh, no, I saw the Lindsay Nagel in the... See, that's where there was an Ellen is mean joke about the, the torture yeah. daytime producers. And and then I found out that on the Drew Barrymore show, show Marge Simpson called in to promote the episode mm -hmm. as well, which was mainly just uh, Julie Kavner recorded a bunch of like j tonight show style jokes about and i'm on drew barrymore because this blah 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 and <laughs> it's and of course you get to see drew barrymore has to react in the biggest like if you think people on youtube who overreact to things are hamming it up too much drew barrymore does it i i know it's her job but she, she was, was like she was, whoa, whoa. <laughs> she was also crying a lot online recently i forget oh, yes. what that was about yeah she cries i feel like there's at least one crying segment per episode hmm. though if i'm one of those producers i feel like 
from what I've seen in the first year or whatever of her production, I have seen a Charlie's Angels reunion. I've seen a Scream reunion. And I, man, I think there was some level of E.T. reunion. It's like you're going to run out of Drew Barrymore reunions eventually. You know, there's there's only so many movies she, How about, she was uh, in. a Mad Love reunion? Ooh, yeah. Or the Boys on the Side reunion, at the, uh, at the very least with Whoopi. Riding in Cars with Girls? Is she in that uh, one? I, I was dating a Drew Barrymore fan in the early <laughs> uh, odds. I see. Hey, Drew. Riding in Cars with Boys. With Boys. The she that's was the, the girl. I, I, saw the, the, I saw Boys on the Side in theaters, and I, I learned the word cunt from that and movie. you said more boys please yes yeah make Where's that the, the main dish <laughs> uh you know uh whoopie's gay and it, it's a gay it's gay ish mm. and aidsy ish because it was made in the mid 90s okay. so you know it's it's all those things not to spoil too much of the plot of boys on the side watch it yourself if you want to see drew barrymore topless also you oh, can okay. watch it for that that's what mr skin is for yes, i guess that'll save you the cut deal. out the movie middleman <laughs> uh yeah this episode of the king of nice is actually the 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 plot is marge becomes a segment producer mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it feels very scully-esque and it's that it's the problem of somebody like deep within the hollywood system it's like <laughs> yes. the life of a segment producer can she make it it's like nobody can connect with that at all <laughs> Yes, yeah. I, no, Same I, with our weird jobs. It's like, well, how can I produce all these podcasts in time? How can I get them all out? There's no, there's no uh, show about that. The Marin Show was canceled, folks. Yes, nobody wanted the, the Zach Braff podcaster show. That's not right. on TV anymore. Though he, did you know Zach Braff does a Scrubs show? That's our show, but yes, for Scrubs. We need to uh, find a way to take these guys down. <laughs> if I, it's, it's, I feel like it's just a matter of time before somebody gets Nancy Cartwright to do one of these for us. I think we're lucky in that they're all too old. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they probably, they're not, if they're... Although uh, this is a challenge to them. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I, uh, you know, also the, the last thing I want to say on, on uh, King of Nice is that they had, Marge did a scream reaction. I screenshotted it and tweeted it. Marge did a scream reaction to Bart and she was given the wiggly worm tongue. And I feel like I, I mean, I haven't been on the lookout for it all the time, but that felt special to me. I do feel like some of the animators are picking up the old styles and, mm-hmm. and sticking it in where they can. Maybe so. it's not as consistent as it used to be. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Um, so hot off the presses, the Halloween episode, one of them, uh, mm-hmm. one of two, not it aired last night. Uh, I didn't watch it. I didn't have time. Henry did watch it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm only annoyed by it because there was a fan art contest where the grand prize was exposure yes and that's it yes uh exposure on a a part of the episode most people skip so Mm. yeah that really annoyed me uh because when i saw matt selman like retweeting the contest and i was like okay something's up with this i'm not blaming matt selman but let's investigate further i click on the contest rules like search for any sort of compensation search for anything you get nothing, nothing. sir. Nothing. <laughs> I just give us some prizes. Yeah, like, like if- a jacket, a year of Disney Plus. Like Disney only makes like exponentially more money every year. Mm-hmm. If you're going to use people's work in your show, give them something, even uh, just something that doesn't cost you any money, something you can write off, just to not insult them. Mm-hmm. And I know people are excited that their art is on the show. But I feel like they're taking advantage of people who value that more over their own dignity. It's like, wow, a break. But you're not going to get any breaks from that, I don't think. No, I mean, I, I get from some people why they think it's, you know, hey, got my thing on the show. Exposure's good for me. I was seen by like millions of people, which sure. But also when I watched it on the show, 
some people did you know have a clear signature uh that you could see but it didn't say like art by this person like it was uncredited art yeah. or at least if it if there were credits in there i didn't it were not easy to see yeah but uh, the the episode itself uh it's a fine little parody look it parodies are back because you because there was a recent duo uh it films from the last like five six years uh which you know uh, honestly all of my it knowledge i never read the book was from the tv miniseries with tim curry it i did see that yeah yeah but uh though it's like uh, i mean it's really just a bunch of stephen king parodies shoved together but i will say after watching other tree houses where they have to speed everything up so fast and you're watching you know a six minute version of a two-hour movie this was more like a 22 minute version of two two-hour movies so hmm. paced a bit better i think they don't really do that enough uh mm-hmm. i mean like things like cape fear were in a way beat for beat parodies of the mm-hmm. movie but they don't really do it that often even something like um itchy and scratchy land it's part Westworld, part jurassic park yeah, yeah. and that's only for the <laughs> like the last two acts of the episode i i think this one might end up being successful enough though i'll say it's a weird line they have in it because crusty Krusty sometimes is funny and other times he just is like gross and creepy. Like it is a gross and creepy episode, Uh, but it's uh, and they have a joke about how Uter isn't around anymore. And also uh, he's he's one of the missing kids. It's it's all right. It's it's all right. I found out uh, based on someone who works on the show that this is also a bongo did it first idea. Oh, really? I think uh, in 2017, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, but they did a uh, Treehouse of Horror comic, uh, you know, chapter called It Happens. Oh, uh, that's so a good name too. they did both this and Death Notes yeah. in Bongo Comics first. Yeah, I. Although uh, I know the content is different, they're not adapting the comic, of course. But you know, I just uh, I'm conflicted, especially when it comes to the next episode we'll talk about uh, next month. Yes, unfortunately, if you're hearing this on the free feed, this is after the actual Treehouse of Far 33 airs on October 30th. But we're recording this before that, of course, so you'll have to hear us talk about it then. Uh, But, you know, those Bongo comics, some of them are back in print now. I actually just got at the ominous omnibus of of a bunch of classic Treehouse comics from there. But where the hell where's the nina matsumoto content in there you have is what to wait I say. that's uh, come Are, on aren't there going to be three of them i guess so well she was writing uh sorry she was illustrating towards the end of the run so she'll probably be in like uh back of two or volume three i'm guessing <laughs> but they should put in the award-winning ones first i yeah. just want the nina section chopped <laughs> out i mean honestly i think nina's famous enough now to get her own collection of simpsons ones she so. should yeah and if you are familiar with the very dated parody of uh, kevin costner's Waterworld from the Springfield Files, there is a full playable freeware version developed by the indie game developer uh, Macaw45, and it's pretty in-depth. It's very impressive. You can play it for free, and hey, way to go. I want to see a version of this for every Simpsons video game parody. Yes, yeah. Larry the Looter next. That's the... You know, no, I think we said it when we played... When we watched it, I think Escape from Grandma's House will be a perfect, like, one-screen kind of game. Easy easy to copy and make, yeah. But, yeah, I guess the older the parody <laughs> is, the easier it is to make. But I, I really like that it... Uh, I, I watched a Let's Play of it. I didn't uh, play it myself, but that 
they do make you put in the 40 quarters one by one the first time and then after you've got the joke you're like okay i'll we'll let you put this in five at a time or whatever the next time it would be a great troll if it was sort of like a desert bus style experience and that it was just the tedium of entering quarters for every five steps he takes <laughs> but uh, but it actually turns into a real game after after the first joke yeah, yeah which is is pretty neat yes yeah, so if you've got a computer uh you must have a computer i'm guessing if you're listening to this or maybe you just have a phone i don't know find a computer <laughs> This is not my responsibility, but play the game. It looks really cool. Your local library, fill, fill it with that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> tell people, uh, get away from people looking at porn and mm-hmm. just play the game and then leave. <laughs> uh, so in other news, there is a new documentary about the Simpsons made by the criminals and villains. <laughs> from the toys slash movies that made us the yes. unwatchable just awful documentaries uh you've heard us complain about these a billion yes. times check yeah. off your bingo cards it's probably why we're not invited on these shows no but i i i fully agree with bob i've said it too i've watched i just because i've watched more of them doesn't mean i don't dislike them as well but. yeah and friends of the show ali and julia were on this uh mm-hmm. and you know uh that's and good, good. For them. i'm glad yes. they got uh simpsons podcasters on yeah yeah and not just course, writers and of course they're getting la local so i get that too yeah yeah, yeah. but no i mean the the icons on earth they did the uh, vice did a season of this the year before and now they're doing is of uh, season about the simpsons i only watched the first episode because i don't subscribe to vice tv and they put only the first episode for free on youtube and my thoughts are the same that i have about all of their documentaries and this goes the same also for they did a documentary series on disney theme park rides and it's the same every single time they actually like there are great producers on this who talk to the real people who i would say oh man you got to talk to this person if you can and then they do and then those good interviews that actually get some interesting new stuff goes through the editing machine that is just like just sound bullshit and cuts everywhere like watching it with my husband i said all right how long until the first record scratch and it's within (laughs) five minutes is is when it happens. oh my god yeah yeah. i just i feel like the editing ruins all the material that they uh research for these these documentaries (sighs) yeah it's uh i i haven't watched uh past the first episode only covers the shorts the creation to the sign off on season one uh based on the commercials i I'm certain they're going to talk. They do talk to Mimi Pond, and I bet she tells them some of the stuff we heard in our own interview. Uh, that, and they they also do talk to Bill Cop, saying exactly the stuff we said. Though ours was much better and not full of stupid editing. Mm-hmm. We can't add record scratches if you want. <laughs> and, Maybe we'll be more popular if we had like clown horns, record scratches, uh, the sounds uh, of like car accidents in the background. It keeps people engaged. Yeah. yeah I uh, and the other good good bad thing about it is. They do interview people, two guys who I've never heard talked to before. No, three guys. Because they're all executives. Two of them are Fox executives, and one is an EP who worked on the Tracy Ullman show, who clearly is not friends with James L. Brooks anymore, because if he was, he wouldn't be allowed to do, he would have been asked to not do this. Yeah, I'm sure a memo went out from the Brooks <laughs> office saying, do not contribute to this, please. John Vitti didn't get that memo, yeah. or he, he ignored it. Hey, he's but, retired, right? Yeah, he's yeah. retired. <laughs> uh, but he, but yes, so they talked to two Fox executives, so you really just hear a lot of the inside tales of, and here's how I sold it to Barry Diller, and I talked to him, it's like, and I, you know, executives giving green lights to shows is how shows are made in America. So I get it. But I'm also like, 
can we hear more from people who fucking drew or wrote this thing? Like, I don't want to just hear from all the rich executives going like, and then I talked to Barry Diller and he is a master at, <laughs> uh, at bullshit detection. Let me tell you. Uh, I saw Wes Archer was on it on he, the show. Yes, yeah. yeah. He's, uh, they, they talked to Wes and they talked to Bill Cop, and mm-hmm. I don't know how many other animators they're the only two animators in the first one but i guess they would be the only ones because if they couldn't get david silverman then well it's only just, an hour long right is it yes, only an hour yeah, 40-ish minutes yeah. hour with commercials yeah and they and they do actually find the woman who worked at Klasky chupo and uh made tell told them to make the skin yellow oh georgie yeah. palouse georgie palouse who now is like uh she's she's hyphenated i believe she's uh you know t- she's gotten married and has a second name so but yeah georgie palouse and uh they get into the controversy like did she really or didn't she and it's uh so look that's the that's the frustrating thing you do learn a couple things that they actually bothered to find some people but it is heavily skewed towards executives and full of incredibly frustrating editing mm-hmm. so yes i i don't if it's all just dumped on Hulu eventually, I'll probably end up watching it it's, all at some point. It's but. not for a podcast listening audience, not even for like a YouTube essay uh, watching audience. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. Unlike, I mean, yeah, our pal Real Jims puts out better stuff than that all of the time. Mm-hmm, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So moving on, guess what, guys? There's new uh, Simpson shoes. Can you believe it? <laughs> yes, yeah. Although I think the design of these is incorrect because it's Marge, uh, like the body and face of Marge emerging from the, the blue fuzzy material of the shoe. Mm-hmm. It would make more sense if it was Homer backing into the hedges, right? Yeah, it should have been the hedge thing. Yeah, I because or Marge's face should be at the bottom of the shoe, and then the rest of the shoe going up is her hair. Yeah, like know? the shoes, her face could be at the toes of the shoe or yeah. whatever. Instead, it's her face on the side. Yeah, <laughs> I went to this uh, the shoe the shoe news site. Sorry, sneaker news. <laughs> yes, one of the uh, <laughs> verticals is uh, Yeezy release dates. I say, guys, you got to get rid of that vertical. Oh yes, it's like yeah. uh, this new shoe has a swastika on it. Well, that's a bold. <laughs> design <laughs> folks he's becoming a nazi and it's yeah. not fun to watch it's, it's, uh, it's unchecked mental bad. illness isn't uh, hilarious yeah no especially as he gets closer and closer to being president i'd say yeah it's, it's even worse yeah that's uh now the adidas though uh i i preferred their uh snowball two shoes that look like they killed snowball to be honest but yes that's uh the the simpsons that made us or whatever the hell it's called oh sorry we're on the shoes <laughs> yes yeah uh, i mean they're like probably gonna be 80 dollars shoes i i'm not getting those shoes, yes so. uh you've got a lot of simpson shoes henry we're i already have simpson shoes intervention time yeah, I, uh, i'm saving them for special occasions i yeah. wore mine for the first time um <laughs> this summer i wore my i wore some simpson shoes to d23 the ones with the all the people People on them the slip-on version of the vans with all the characters on it i wore that to d23 when i went to that one so that was and i'm saving though the mr plow shoes for our first live show whenever that happens hopefully january so, of yeah. next year hopefully no new variants please <laughs> uh and in final our final bit of news here uh vulture ranked every treehouse segment to date and uh this article was originally written uh, 11 years ago but they keep updating it over mm-hmm. time so i don't think the original writer has anything to do with it anymore yeah normally i i write down like written by blank but it's like nah, i don't think so but yeah this is 
they update i mean when there's new tree houses they updated with new tree houses but uh though i think uh, number 98 and number one have not changed which is diving bell in the butterball at 98 which i think most oh. people agree is the worst one I, I think i watched that uh with nina my wife and uh it's about homer farting to communicate with lisa it's a lot of farting <laughs> yeah. it was i, I could not imagine like i never thought when the simpsons first aired there'd be this much farting on the show <laughs> and the shinning is number one on their list mm. i'm i'm still upset i've i've read this list before but i'm still upset every time that to me at the very least in top five should be uh the homer <laughs> uh, homer sells his soul that one the devil be. and homer simpson right thank you yes, yes. yeah <laughs> and we were okay the, okay the article is old. the important part yeah though. who cares about the article it's old yeah. it's old news what's new news is in this new version they mentioned us Woo! talking simpsons yeah in the entry for dead ringer quote one of the best simpsons podcasts around talking simpsons plays a take that lisa's belief soundbite whenever someone mocks lisa for her determination dead ringer is one long take that lisa's beliefs so there you have it thank you thank you writer who yes whoever put in that new entry in there and probably not as the credited writer i've been through this on my own listicles have been updated uh by people who aren't me and have my name on it still so i i feel yeah but they just delete the websites i used to work on so <laughs> i don't have that problem mine is still consistent it's true yeah which which is more painful i wonder they're both pretty they, bad they're both pretty yes but but when you know, what's not bad is finally being recognized as one of the best simpsons podcasts around by vulture thank uh, you so name much. the others we'll take them down yeah we <laughs> one of the best uh we have an enemies list now you guys are we <laughs> but uh but hey what you know link to us next time but uh, hey we're, we're open for que if you need a simpsons uh commentary or source for a simpsons article you know where our email's right there. Mm -hmm. We're yes. easy to find. Yeah, easy to find. Moving on to news about us. Uh, let's talk about our schedule for November. Our What a Cartoon episode for November will be the Kim Possible episode, Kimitation Nation. Yes, we're jumping back to the feel-good days of 2002. <laughs> Get out your uh, striped sweaters, your cargo shorts, uh, your large Nokia phones. Oh, God, yeah. Your your candy-colored IMAX as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're talking about Kim Possible. This is a patron pick mm -hmm. and it's something we've been thinking about doing so i'm glad our patron chose this because uh you know it's a respectable show and it shows disney moving in a different direction than they did in the 90s and before yeah it's our first disney channel original so there's a lot of history to go into there as well and it's i think it's the first disney channel original cartoon right uh proud family proud family first, okay then, then kim uh, possible but right right yes, yeah <laughs> but uh, hey we'll maybe cover proud family at some point i'd like to it's yeah. back it's back yeah yeah, yeah. They, they did an actual <laughs> i remember when proud family it came back and they actually did an episode about uh gay parents being a hot button issue at their school or something and mm. then it it like came out the week disney was getting shamed for their participation in the don't say gay bill that's what funny. i remember yeah yeah, yeah. hopefully it did well I, I like bruce bruce smith yeah bruce yep. w smith w smith yes. yeah uh, let's let's say what his name is in sag afro <laughs> otherwise it doesn't count yeah <laughs> uh moving on uh, so fi uh, for five dollar and up patrons we have of course our monthly episodes of talking futurama and talking of the hill for talking futurama we're starting with uh the beginning of season four uh, and that's kiff gets knocked up a notch if it's not clear from the title it's where kiff is impregnated by Amy slash Alila, uh, and a lot of gross body things happen to him, and it's, yeah. it's very it's very heartwarming. I didn't like it uh, before, but now I kind of like it. Yes, as uh, hey, as as adults now, we uh, we appreciate it much better than as teens, as surly teens. Also, uh, after we've recorded it, don't 
give us crap about how like hey you didn't mention how in picard they brought back moriarty we recorded it before that trailer came out but yes we we do talk about holodeck moriarty a bit anyway oh they're bringing him back yes yeah it's the big oh man bob the, oh. Season, the season three and hopefully last season they oh, say I think it's they the announced last season, it yeah, of picard trailer they have all of their like look all your favorites are back kind of thing and so you're left thinking man who's left to bring back for the big shocking like end of the reveal trailer uh and it's the same actor holodeck moriarty is back oh, nice yeah. what about genghis khan is he back uh no he's okay. not unfortunately that's too bad so yeah uh talkie futurama will be covering kiff gets knocked up a notch and then on talking of the hill we'll be covering uh, propane boom the season two finale and big cliffhanger it's oh, a great yeah. episode we have so much fun talking about that one yes and moving on, our What a Cartoon Movie for November was going to be a Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol, but it won the poll, and people were like, I don't like this. I'll kill that old man. <laughs> so we decided we want to make the patrons happy, and we launched a second poll featuring all three uh, kids' horror movies from 2012. It was a weird year. The fall of 2012 had Paranorman, Frank and Weenie, and Hotel Transylvania, and Paranorman won. I was not expecting that. Yeah, I expected Hotel Transylvania. Honestly, Me too. But our, our first Leica film it won our Halloween hangover poll and if you're listening to this on the patreon the transformers movie podcast is coming if you're listening to this on the free feed it's already there at the ten dollar level <laughs> so uh, sign up for the patreon at patreon.com slash talking simpsons yeah over four hours of toy talk and wait till you hear how mad i get <laughs> at the stupid transformers uh, who's your favorite transformer uh, glob <laughs> whatever his name is the one who dies uh optimus prime uh, a lot of them die yeah, actually many many yeah. die yes yeah. uh so you might be asking yourselves you know hey goober where's the poll for december because we normally talk about upcoming polls on these podcasts well we decided to make an executive decision because for four years of what a cartoon movie we've been uh, kept under the tier of democracy <laughs> by <laughs> by letting all of our listeners vote and we're uh we're resolving this by uh selecting movies ourselves for most of the year this means polls are going away outside of two listener request months for the year those months will probably be april and september but we have a lot of reasons for this choice the major reason is uh, less than a fourth of our patrons actually vote in these polls. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, less than a fourth of eligible patrons, I should say, which means a very small minority of uh, you know subscribers are actually deciding the content, and we don't think that's very fair, but we appreciate the voters. Yes. We just want everyone to vote. Yeah, we, we open it up to $5 voters as well, uh, like it, not just the, the $10 folks who can hear it, uh, but usually on, on a good turnout, it is like, at best a third i think is the most we've ever gotten in one but uh, and and we appreciate all those votes but yeah it kind of uh slowed down a bit and as you guys have seen uh we've already done a few yes or no because sometimes we really want to do just shrek you know yeah yes or no was a big cheat from us yes, by the way yeah, because it, it was, was always yes yes yeah because well because you knew it's what we wanted and you want to make us happy and we appreciate yeah that. i think yeah. polls would be more fun on patreon if you didn't see the results before you voted i think because so too, yeah. my theory is one thing gets an early lead and then everyone votes for that because they don't want to vote for the loser they mm -hmm. don't want to throw their vote away exactly so yeah, yeah. i wish they would uh, <laughs> address that on patreon i'm sure it's not one of their priorities so. at least let it be a setting you can pick like yeah. you know hidden results yeah like on twitter like you vote for a thing on twitter and then you see the results mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you yeah. don't see the results ahead of time 
So yeah, that's one reason we're getting rid of polls. Another reason is uh, lots of life changes are happening for Henry and I. We'll talk about those soon. <laughs> and we're also getting busier as the world opens up. I've been to two conventions to do panels uh, in the past couple of months. So, you know, uh, time is very tight and we need to work ahead as much as possible. And not having polls means we can work ahead uh, even more than we normally do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we could uh, we could record like three months of movies ahead of time. That's when we decide what they are. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, the other reason. So, yeah, uh, reason number one, no one was voting reason number two we need more time mm. and i think at this point after four years of what a cartoon movie and uh almost i don't know eight years of podcast between me and henry we you can trust us by now yeah i yeah. think yeah you you guys have enjoyed when we do the executive decision ones you're like you you like them it's it's a lot of fun and we we keep them pretty varied and also you know uh, another thing i noticed was when we started it's like oh we have you know dozens and dozens of movies that are easy to put into like a genre pick of four commonalities but now it's like okay we'll we were thinking of like two anime things can we uh what do we have three and four that we'd add to it and so yeah yeah it's just easy to pick so uh and of course you already know what our december one is if you're hardcore but i think we called it last year for a millennium actress we're like you know what we should do tokyo godfathers yes as the december one so that that's going to be the December one it is a very holidays movie as well it's a new year's and a christmas movie yeah yeah so it's very good <laughs> and yeah uh i hope you guys out there understand our you know decision and it's everything's going to be fine don't worry about that and uh yeah now we're like heading towards our 50th episode so i'm very happy this project yeah. has been successful even though it's very very time intensive it really uh, does a lot for us and i'm mm-hmm. sure everyone out there enjoys it as well so moving on another big announcement uh in case you missed the schedule post on the patreon uh blabbing about batman the animated series is coming back for season two on november 11th eight new episodes for five dollar and up patrons they will launch every uh thursday night slash friday uh it's like thursday 9 p.m you know how we do things here yeah, it's yeah. like <laughs> we do it 9 p.m uh pacific time the day before so it's like midnight eastern so that's mm, how it works so out. you can all wake up like it's christmas morning to get your new podcast in the, in the next morning <laughs> but you you'll know what all of them are because the schedule has been posted yes yeah so it's we, like you peeked in the closet <laughs> uh me me and bob uh, i guess don't read the schedule if you want to be surprised but yeah me me and bob each picked four and uh there's there's just so many great episodes of batman we could easily do another season of this and not pick the same episodes again just like we did this time yes uh even though these are our second favorites a lot of them almost made the cut the first time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yes, uh, please look forward to that. I'm getting started on producing those. And again, it starts November 11th for $5 and up patrons. And the entire schedule of what episodes we'll be covering is going to be available, or sorry, is available on our Patreon as a public post. So look for it there. Uh, If you're not even a patron, you can see it yourself. Mm -hmm. So let's move on to what we've been playing and watching that's not related to the show. Well, you know, it's travel time for me. Uh, last month I went to PAX. This month I went to Portland Retro Gaming Expo. I'm leaving for Tucson soon to uh, visit Fangamer for the first time. And then I'm going to be going to Denver for a fun birthday trip uh, with my wife. So a lot of travel, a lot of working between trips, not a lot of time for games. A little more Splatoon 3. Mm. And mostly outside of that, uh, lots of games for Retronauts episodes. So in case you're not paying attention to Retronauts, I've been doing a Star Fox two-part series I've been playing every Star Fox game. Yeah. I, and uh, <laughs> that's been the extent of my gaming October. That is incredible dedication. Like, there's so many people 
I feel like there's some jerks out there who might assume like uh, Bob's just reading from a wiki page or whatever. Like I've seen those jerky comments, but you you played Star Fox Zero. You bought and and turned on your Wii U and yes. played Star Fox Zero. I mean, it's not hard because it's still hooked up. Yes, I'm, I'm the yeah, one yeah. freak left, but <laughs> I did buy a new copy of Star Fox Zero. And uh, spoilers, I kind of like it. I, I, I am shocked to hear. I kind of like it a little yeah. bit. And some of those uh, later ones aren't so bad. So <laughs> that's what I've been doing. I wanted to play a short spooky game, uh, so I played this game called Stories Untold. It's on Steam. It's probably very cheap by now. All I'll say about it, I don't want to spoil anything, it's like a spooky take on text adventures, and it's over in like three hours. So if you've got an afternoon, you can play through it. I thought it was a lot of fun. And as for watching stuff, uh, just a few movies because, you know, very, very busy. But the first movie I saw, I believe I saw the day we recorded the last talk to the audience. So that movie <laughs> is Barbarian, mm. a very spooky movie. Now, uh, my wife Nina and I disagree on this. I think you should not know anything about the movie before going in. She doesn't think that's necessary. In general, I think if you go into anything blind, you might have a, a better time. With this one, maybe not, but I feel like the less you know, uh, the more surprised you'll be. Uh, interesting. Yes. Yeah, I mean, m mainly what I've been hearing from from everybody who's seen it is like uh, Nina, Nina is the outsider in that. And most people I've heard say, you should know nothing. No, nothing. Just go, go watch it. It's yeah. not like The Matrix or anything like that. <laughs> okay. I, I don't think so. I mean, ultimately, the premise is very simple. But going into it not knowing, because the title is so vague, mm -hmm. going into it not knowing what's going to happen, you're just like, all right, I'm ready. I'm ready to be surprised by this. But yeah, it was very good. Uh, directed by and written by, uh, uh, sorry, Zach Krager from The Whitest Kids You Know. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, oh, wow. The okay. handsome one. The, the, yes, the, the the cute one who stars in movies. The, the co-star of Miss March. Right, yeah. Oh, with Trevor boy. Moore. Yeah, R.I.P. <laughs> yes. But uh, yeah, he, he's not in the movie. I mean, he plays a part. He plays like a, a voice on a phone. He's oh. kind of in it, but... Yeah. Like, I feel like sketch comedians are becoming our new good horror directors. Hey, you're right, man. You know, I guess it's all built around a similar idea of misdirect and surprise, uh, except in a sketch, it's like, actually, he farted or whatever. That's the misdirect. Usually. And a lot of uh, sketch comedy is horror. Like, mm -hmm. I'm going to be murdered, but it's funny, you know? <laughs> yes. yeah, that's or I, I'm in a horrible situation <laughs> and the sketch ends with, like, they're going to die, kind Cer of. Certainly after uh, Get Out, more people were discovering like oh yeah a lot of these uh key and peel sketches like they're kind of just a a horror film as well with just like three extra jokes than uh, a regular horror film would have so i recommend barbarian especially during the halloween season but even after it's just a little fun uh very tight horror movie that uh i think is great mm. i think it's really really good I also saw uh, Cats for the first time. <laughs> wow. Uh, because uh, Nina did the uh, the cover art for the riff tracks of it. And I was like, what's this about? And she wanted to show me. I My main thoughts upon seeing the movie is I feel bad that people had to do this. <laughs> uh, uh, it's deeply embarrassing. Uh, all the Cats jokes have been made. I won't belabor the point. But boy, oh boy. It's... <laughs> It's it's like it's so I'm just embarrassed by watching it. Well, have you ever have you seen the musical live ever in in life? I haven't, but oh, yeah. after watching the movie, I watched the Lindsay Ellis video about right, cats, right. and I was like, oh, I kind of would want to see the musical mm -hmm. more than I would want to see the movie. I, it makes sense more in that context than in this like CGI monstrosity context. <laughs> well, when you're in a theater, the review style of it makes a lot more sense. Like when you're, when it's live people dancing around you, but uh, oppositely when you have to film people and then there's the entire special effects bullshit of it too. And also just a general 
critique I have of theatrically released musical adaptations is often they are like, well, it has to be a movie star starring in this. But today's movie stars, unlike Judy Garland, who was tortured to be a movie star and be able to sing and dance and do everything. I love Idris Elba. He can't sing. No, like, no. Yeah, everybody Ugh. loves Dame Judy Dench. She can't sing. We, like, you know who can sing though? James Corden. Yeah, <laughs> God, God. You don't want to see that guy. Asshole. And I mean, Taylor Swift can sing, but she can't act. And they're going to zoom in on her. And then it's also like even the covers suck. Like the only good singing in it is Jennifer Hudson. And in that case, they just want to show you every rivulet of snot yeah, coming out of her face. Snot is pour- it's like a one-piece panel or something. <laughs> just snot is pouring out of her nose. Uh, but I mean, she sings memory very well. That Yeah, that yeah. is actually fine in the movie. But yeah. yeah, deeply embarrassing, and I feel bad for everyone in it, and I hope the director has been put in movie jail. <laughs> the King's Speech was a fluke, everyone. Yeah, and it, I mean, the more we watch it, I know the Queen just died, but so it's a mean time to say it, but that movie ain't so special. Yeah. Like, nah, it's like, oh man, isn't it great that this the King gave a speech? That really helped beat the Nazis. Like, yeah, sure. sure. But the riff tracks was funny of yeah. uh, Cats. Uh, I will sure. say that. Oh, I'm sure it was. I would yeah. not want to watch it without the riff tracks. I mean, no <laughs> amount of drugs uh, would make it more enjoyable, I don't think. No way. Uh, moving on, for the first time, I saw Darnie Darko. You ne- Wow. Yes. I, see, I just did the snap reaction. Like, You've never seen Darnie Darko? That's that's a common reaction on this podcast. Yes, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, I play more video games than you. Uh, it's true. It's true. Uh, Darnie Darko, yes. I would have enjoyed it if I had seen it at 19 or 20. I mean, Of course. I feel yeah. like everybody in college told me, this movie's so fucked up, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought it was perfectly enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like Jake Gyllenhaal doesn't know what movie he's in. <laughs> and uh, at times it feels like he's playing the SNL sketch character version of Donnie Darko. <laughs> like if uh-huh. SNL did a Donnie Darko sketch, Jake Gyllenhaal is doing that performance. <laughs> wow, that's that's a good point. But I won't hold it against the director. I thought it was perfectly fine. A lot of the movie is hard to make out because there's an extended cut that explains all of like the, the lore and the science behind what's yeah. happening in this in this time t- uh, travel story. But, uh, yeah, I could honestly tell it was written by, like, a 22-year-old mm-hmm. because it was like, if I was in high school, I'd be doing this kick-ass shit. <laughs> you know, when that, that guy came in, he, he was given an assembly, he spewing bullshit. I stood up and was like, fuck you. You're <laughs> uh, a liar. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. everybody clapped for me. And then everybody clapped. Yeah, yeah. There are lots of scenes like that. The and bullies would feel bad when they killed my girlfriend. They, they'd regret what they did. Yeah. yeah. It does feel like it was written by a very young and immature man. But, you know, the most I identify with Donnie Darko in that movie is when he's arguing with them about smurfs when he's like because they're like but they're all fucking smurfette he's like smurfette was created by gargamel and she fell in love with him smurfette that's why smurfs there's only one girl because she's a creation of gargamel i was like yes he's correcting them with the lore maybe i would have enjoyed that in 2001 but every podcast is that kind of discussion (laughs) sure and i feel like people saw clerks and was like they were like "Uh, what if we talked about like cereal and stuff or star wars or (laughs) we can just have we can uh, you know the conversation we're having now it's funny this could be a movie (laughs) you know i think venture brothers had the best smurf joke about like the, they're mammals he has a fucking beard yeah I, that's yeah, much better that's, that's much better line, but yes uh <laughs> yeah donnie darko it's fine uh i'm glad i finally got to i got to see it though it's like an early aughts uh, uh college classic you know the other problem with donnie darko is it breaks that msd3k rule of don't show me a better movie in your movie yes now this is how i mean uh it's <laughs> the guy takes his girlfriend to the first evil dead yes yeah you could tell a 24 year old wrote this movie it's 
it's like I took my girlfriend to Evil Dead and it wasn't even Evil Dead 2 it was Evil Dead 1 <laughs> that was a test if your girlfriend stays with you that then she's an awesome girlfriend yeah and, but yeah. she fell asleep uh, and I'd kill myself for her man I would I'd let a thing drop on me uh, yeah like I said it, it was a dorm room like Boondock Saints fight club style experience but uh, better than Boondock Saints for sure but now you get all those references to cellar doors and sparkle motion hey and- cellar door was around before Donnie Darko okay well that's where I learned about it from Drew Barrymore yeah. who we were just talking about who plays a teacher in that yeah, movie she's yeah. like 25 in that movie she looks also, too young also I had never heard that Tears for Fears song before I hadn't I mean, either yeah, no yeah. Uh, wait no I hadn't I think was it Mad that, World in, I hadn't heard that before either but yeah. I dun, 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 that song right me. right the amazing opening which uh, I feel like is more on the cinematographer than the director I don't know I, I don't want to so. take too much away from it uh, up next Southland Tales oh god yes uh, yeah. I gotta see that eventually but yeah enough talking about movies one last movie I, I watch Transformers the movie you'll hear about that if you pay me money <laughs> oh yes and I also saw the vampire movie Near Dark have mm, you seen or heard no, of Near Dark I have not heard of this uh, directed by Catherine Bigelow oh cool uh, who was formerly the partner of James Cameron which is why everyone from Aliens is in this movie oh awesome yeah. oh wow okay. it, it's very good I will say the third act uh, the movie falls apart but mm. the first two acts are very good it's the non-romantic view of what being a vampire in then modern America was in that it sucks you're nomads and you're just living a desperate <laughs> life and I would recommend it just know that the movie the end will not satisfy you in any way oh, well, yeah. okay I'll still give that a watch though that sounds awesome I didn't know Bigelow had a new thing uh, it's from 87 oh okay yes. alright then I didn't I hadn't heard of this Bigelow film this is before she was making torture movies oh okay right. Zero Dark Thirty is that her yeah it's her yeah. okay uh, but yeah, 87, uh, Catherine Bigelow. Uh, hey, she made Point Break, too, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Uh, good movie. It's also very hard to find. I had to pirate it. Really? Yes, mm. I couldn't I couldn't rent it digitally anywhere. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that's it for me. Okay. Well, uh, well, you know, uh, stuff I, uh, I'll talk about the re- playing and watching before the big stuff. But so I beat Yakuza 0. I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, I especially love when I can spot like, Oh, in the Yakuza version of morale, in the in this series uh, version of morality, this character did wrong and must die. <laughs> well, that's what, oh, but this character doesn't get to die. When I finished Yakuza Zero, uh, I played 120 hours and it was like, congratulations, 27 percent of the game is complete yeah. now. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. I, now play every dice game. Uh, I yeah, there's. I accidentally started uh, up uh, a shogi game once. I was like, oh wait, no, I I, I can't learn how to play this. Actually, <laughs> I did that with. Uh, I started up Yakuza Two kawami when i had covid like let's give this a shot and then i was like you know maybe i'll try the shogi game and see if it can teach me and then there are 30 pages of instructions yes oh god yeah or same same with koi koi which yeah hey i'm i though honestly it's not like they make it so you can't progress in the story without playing it it's just like hey we we didn't cut a mini game we kept a mini game in and if you want to play it there it is you don't have to but yeah it's a it was a it was a good game a real good game and i got but i did walk away with eight 78 hours on my play clock and 25 percent of the achievements that sounds about right (laughs) (laughs) which is you know they fixed that in they changed the balance of or whatever with Yakuza 7 like a dragon because 
in that game, I played it 100 hours, and I actually was at, I had 900 of 1,000 achievement wow. points for once. Yeah. What I like about the game Nier Automata is you can, um, towards the end of the game, you can buy achievements mm. with the in-game currency. You can just <sighs> buy all the achievements you couldn't get. More people need to rip that off. Yeah. And uh, I started up Rabbids 2, uh, Mario Rabbids 2. Uh, the only the Spark of game. Life? Yeah, the Spark of Life. <laughs> You're right, yes. Uh, and... You know, I at first thought I wouldn't like that they got rid of the grid, but uh, for the first few hours, I like the feel of it without the grid. It actually is, it makes it a more active, uh, less lockdown thing. You know, I love my grids. You know I love my grids, Bob, mm. but uh, I it, it actually plays pretty well. And shockingly, because I never, ever play app games, I never, ever, ever play card games, but my husband showed me the new one, Marvel Snap, and I instantly enjoyed it. Like it is the new Marvel card game that is hyper simplistic. It is an, it is an easy to get into. Uh, so it's a like collectible a card game, a Hearthstone, uh, if you will, like yes. one of those. Okay. Yeah, yeah. With like uh, you know, it's three zones, and it absolutely got me with like. Oh, I have Spider-Man now, but I don't have that Spider-Man. Battle uh, damage Spider-Man. <laughs> exactly. You know, they have a Todd McFarlane variant that I'm, I'm chasing right now. But uh, And I paid for the season pass because, like, you know what? I've had $15 of fun with this game. I'll pay for that. But uh, as for watching, I only saw one movie this month, and that was when I went to see Clerks 3 with a Kevin Smith Q&A afterwards. Uh, I will say this about Clerks 3. Uh, it's, I know it's bad. It is actually like not a good movie. It's poorly made, but darn it. That guy does have my emotional investment in the world of clerks uh -huh. enough that he can, he can pull on my heartstrings and get me because having Jeff Anderson and Brian Halloran on screen again as Dante and Randall, I'm just like, shit this is the guys and they're talking about being old and they are old and like i watched like i watched some old clips from clerks too where they're saying like man i'm I'm not even in my 20s anymore and then i'm watching this movie <laughs> and like fuck this time just smacks you in the face and and yes it is all about his heart attack we yeah, yeah i this is the last time kevin smith gets to make a heart attack movie <laughs> i swear to god but and it's shot very poorly too but I have enough nostalgia to want to see it. Uh, I won't guarantee that I'll like it. Check my letterbox uh, later in the year, maybe. It's better than Jay and Silent Bob reboot, Oof. which I also saw. I, I can't go near that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Clerks 3 actually has a story to tell. It's uh, not just a series of cameos? Yes, yeah. Though there are there are a series oh, of cameos. I'm sure there are. <laughs> uh, and there was a Q&A afterwards, and Kevin Smith, uh, honestly, I'm glad because there were... The film might leave you with wanting to ask Kevin Smith questions, and he was able to answer some of those there, but I'm not going to spoil the movie for you. But I will say, if you go to a Kevin Smith Q&A, do not ask him how to become a filmmaker. He has talked about this for 30 fucking years, yes. guys. Yes, and he please. also became a filmmaker in 1993. Yes. What basically is, someone was asked, like, oh, how do you do a pitch meeting? And he's like, honestly, I've pitched, like, four times ever. I just say, like, uh, I want to make another movie. Give me money or don't. And then they do or they don't. Well, Kevin That's Smith's it. story is, well, first Harvey Weinstein has to see your movie, and yes. then you become famous. Yeah, he's He did talk a little about Harvey and how but he's sad about that. To be but. fair, he does give his uh, his Weinstein money away yeah, yeah. at and this point. No, and he uh, it's funny, too, hearing him talk about how basically he's just like, well, my tip is win the lottery 30 years ago, not now. Yeah. Like, yeah, and 
though he did have a funny story that the reason Clark's three even got to be made is Jay and Silent Bob reboot barely made money in theaters but Lionsgate had the physical release which they thought wouldn't make a lot of money and it sold crazy well hmm. and so they said we'll get if you want to make Clark's three we'll give you seven million dollars right now and he's like shit okay let's do this so uh so yeah Clark's three if you have a lot of investment emotionally in the Viewisk universe, even if you hate his movies now or think they're very bad, I'd still say watch it. Uh, um, and Andor TV show, watched it. It's good Star Wars. It's it's what if Bob? What if Star Wars was like Breaking Bad or something? You know? uh, I kind of just want to rewatch Breaking Bad, but I, <laughs> well, I'm glad sure. that they're doing different stuff. Uh, I have no interest in this, but I hear that it is actually good. It is it not is. in the way that people wanted uh, Boba Fett to be good or Obi Wan to be good. <laughs> yes, this yeah. this might actually be good. Good. Yeah, it's full of great actors doing good stuff, and it does. Uh, and it's filmed in England, so so many of the actors have british accents like classic star wars uh though i still i've complained about it before here and i completely understand why you do this in casting but i still feel like the personally i feel like the empire should only be a bunch of evil white dudes because it is a white supremacist organization and when they have a bunch of uh, a multicultural collective in the empire i feel it defeats the thematic purpose of the empire yeah. i i think the rebellion should be full of uh, people uh, so many different looking people but the whole point of the empire is they're fascists they don't want to have a bunch of non-white people around them that was the whole point of them before but, i agree with that yeah yeah I, but uh i finished watching she hulk it was a fire it was a nice show it's good it uh one great is good the daredevil episode's the best episode uh and i don't just say that because i uh i got a follow back from the writer of that sh episode who's a very funny guy cody Ziegler. okay was that the same daredevil that was in uh one of that new charlie cox spider-man's yes. movies yes yeah okay. he's, he's the matt murdoch who catches the book that's thrown at spider-man and, and bob in the audience you're supposed to go oh, gasp daredevil's in this i thought he just had a netflix show he's been gone for that long has he <laughs> well see the gasp is because the netflix shows weren't recognized by the films uh, but then they were and he was that moment was the netflix shows being it recognized. became mcu canon it was exactly. an important moment that's why you're supposed to gasp and be excited bob uh i watched more episodes of new rick and morty also really great including the episode written by a uh, friend of the show heather ann campbell uh it was a very very good episode and also, uh, just the only anime I've watched this month is the new Urusei Atsura. Really great. Really, really great. It is full of city pop feel and like 80s style. It's crazy that they they are more directly adapting the comics than the original mm, yeah. one did. And the second chapter that they adapt is one about calling a girl on the telephone and fighting over your dad's phone or your parents phone which definitely was ripped from the headlines of like 1980 <laughs> in J japanese society but okay. i'm like wait this is sort of characters have smartphones in this show so why are they fighting over their their giant phone okay here? i was gonna yeah. ask if it was a period piece based on the time it's being made now it's period when it wants to be and then it isn't when it isn't uh and and also i love that uh multiple of the original voice actors are back playing like the parents of the characters they mm. used to play which is also fun so new lum new <laughs> yeah. ataru yes yeah okay. every all the uh regular voices are new but like ataru's dad is played by Ata the former Ato ataru uh who's who's one of my favorite uh, voice actors uh, and and also my husband and i saw elton john live in his uh farewell yellow brick road tour i saw uh, a new hoodie 
Yes, I did. Where's your Elton John hoodie? You should be wearing it now. Uh, I just washed it. Oh. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was a nice time uh, at the... Uh, I ended up seeing it in the same place as Chris Kohler. I didn't realize that until after we came home uh, from it. It was where the 49ers play. Uh, and mm. it was it was nice. We got to see... He uh, he's finished his songs and was like, yep, this is our, uh, you know our 80 our like 100th show out of 300 of my farewell tour and then i'll never tour again which i'll, I'll i mean he is 75 and unfortunately for him he's he mainly has to sit down so you can know it's not too hard for can old you old. play the piano laying down it might come to that <laughs> uh he had a lot of energy i give it to elton he's still you know hearing him sing tiny dancer was a lot of fun no eldorado songs no no he didn't Aww. even play uh he didn't even play the lion king songs. oh like, yeah okay yeah but uh though for simpsons fans during his uh i'm still standing the video was a montage of him appearing in tons of cartoons or just his cameos across his 50 years of his career simpsons was up there so i i cheered like simpsons straight to south park and you just go like oh yeah i guess elton john is a huge part of uh of uh, modern culture yeah like 50 years of pop culture at this point yeah uh but of course the big big news okay we've been talking around it an hour into the show i'll reveal it now (laughs) listeners big life-changing news for henry in the, the new year I am going to be moving to... Seattle! (laughs) Stop it, you're killing me! (laughs) Seattle! Yes, Henry, congratulations. Of yes. course, the network is over now. We'll yep. refund all of your money. No. <laughs> no, no, no. Nothing no. will be happening. <laughs> yes. Uh, network-wise, network-wise. Yes, yeah. So uh, short version is my husband uh, just got a new job. It is in the Seattle area, and so uh, and he needs to start ASAP. So this month, uh, while Bob was out of town, me and my husband actually had another trip planned the, to coincide with it that we had to cancel and get all our refunds for because we were then going to have to start going to seattle to plan things my husband uh put in his two weeks and then i scoped out a while i scoped out apartments i flew up to the area uh looked for some apartments we found one it uh, it worked out it was a it was a tense uh, week or so of, of apartment hunting uh and uh but so what's going to happen is that he's going to move up next month while i stay here uh in berkeley uh, with Bob as well he's my husband will get settled in and around the same time we haven't fully fleshed it out but around the same time Bob is going to be moving I will likely then be moving to Seattle as well which yes. is better anyway because I'll be a lot close to Vancouver Seattle pretty close to Vancouver and my move has been uh, in the works for uh, since before COVID actually yes, there yeah, were there were plans sadly. to move up there COVID happened uh I became a permanent resident, et cetera, et cetera. But Henry and I will be living 100 miles apart, mm. uh, a train ride apart, a very quick plane ride apart. It'll be very easy for us to podcast together, but it'll be very easy for us to podcast remotely, too. Mm. So nothing will change uh, in terms of how we're running the network or anything like that. We are just going to be moving, and uh, we are preparing in advance for uh, being unavailable to record by working ahead. Yes, Because yeah. moving uh, is a pain, especially moving to another state or moving out of the country. Yeah, moving to another country, pretty big stuff. 
up yet. And so uh, I'm also going to be in the long distance relationship situation for a little bit as well, though. Uh, hopefully a pandemic won't happen in the middle of my no. long distance relationship. And they'll let you into Seattle. Yeah. Also, yeah, I don't have yeah. a border preventing me from visiting either. So now, no one. No, I don't think anyone will say this, but people might say Seattle. Good luck with that economy, buddy. Mm. We have to remind people we live in the Bay Area. Yes. We are currently playing the Dante must die mode of the economy <laughs> uh, by moving to Vancouver and Seattle. We're bumping it down to very hard. Yes. Yeah. We're bumping it, the difficulty down a little bit. It's crazy when they were. When I was getting a tour of a couple apartments, they're like, well, now, you know, it does cost this. And I was like, I, then I told them what my rent is on a one bedroom in Berkeley. And they're like, oh, oh, well, okay. Then the we woman, don't have to give you these warnings. She was sipping her coffee, just sprayed it all over the, <laughs> the floor. Uh, my wonderful leasing agent, Lori. Yes. She would never do anything like that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, the place we're looking at, too, I, I hope works out and we get a two bedroom in it and it's got like basically its own we work in it which is pretty nice as well mm. so like kind of a workstation which uh it, with its own printer so i won't need to buy a printer that's nice uh, yeah. yeah we're looking forward to both of us to moving uh having more space to record not necessarily having to uh commute all the time to record mm. uh and you know just being in uh, better places yeah dedicated podcast room as well for all of, all my things and my living room could just be a living room mm -hmm. again that'd be crazy i can finally have my own podcast space which i don't have oh, uh, yes, i have yeah. to come here to record all the time which i don't mind mm -hmm. but it'd be nice to go to a separate room and uh record and then you know move on with my life it's not a man cave it's my recording space <laughs> recording yeah. cavern please <laughs> but yeah so uh that's the news folks i uh, you get to hear it first as a patron i'll, I'll mention it on twitter too but yes uh my husband is moving to seattle first i'm gonna help him with the move up uh for one weekend but then pretty much i'm gonna be in berkeley me and Bob going to be smashing out those podcasts hardcore. And then some point, probably in the, I would definitely think in the first half of next year, I will be moving to Seattle as well. Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, that's in the plans now, but nothing, hopefully you listeners won't even notice the difference uh, on the podcasts. Uh, if me and Bob are doing our jobs right. Yeah, I think yeah. so. And uh, I guess one thing I forgot to mention is uh, I think I brought it up, but I was at Portland retro gaming expo. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, and thank you for coming to my panel. I will say, uh, this is me being candid. I went to PAX and I did a panel and PAX was a lot of money uh, because they don't pay for a room for you. They don't pay for your travel. I, th I think they should. They're very big. Yeah. Um, and when I did my panel, there were maybe like 20 to 30 people in the room. And I was like, oh, I know they had fun, but I thought there'd be more people. Does anyone care anymore? Mm. When I did my panel at Portland, the entire room was full. Oh, that's awesome. That's and Portland awesome. did pay for my lodging, so thank huh, you. Ah, man. Yes. Boy, at Portland. It was also funny that, yeah, you you were in Port you flew to Portland like the same day I flew to Seattle. I was like, oh, we're both headed up to the Pacific Northwest today. Both the nice cities. And I, yeah. I will say I'm not a collector of games, although I do uh, try to buy the things I want to play while they're still cheap. And I, I will say I've been doing this for the past decade, so it's going to change soon. But at the moment, DS and 3DS games are still relatively reasonably priced. Mm, okay, so this is like your insider trading kind of tip. Yes, <laughs> uh, I'm an outsider to this world. But yeah. uh, yes, uh, retro games are too expensive in the in the way that like you see a shrink wrap Mario Kart 64 that's $30,000. You're like, there's no way this is worth that much money. No. But I do think 
you know, time is going on. These pieces of plastic were not made to last forever. So it does make sense. Yes, the Super Nintendo was 30 years ago. Yeah. A 30 year old piece of plastic meant to entertain an eight year old for like a few months. That's going to be a lot of money now. So yeah. I don't complain about the prices that much. But for things like this is a uh, sealed and graded Mario 64 for a million dollars <laughs> that I complain about. But I kind of understand why things are getting more expensive. I think we don't want to admit that because we're getting old. Yes. You're like, yeah. no, the, the N64 was just 20 years ago. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Or you. I remember like, no, I, I, I just went to GameStop the other day and it was like five bucks for any, uh, for a Genesis game. And then you realize like, you know, I went, you went to GameStop stop in 2005 and yeah. it was that cheap, That and that was a long time ago now. Yeah. Time, time sucks, man. It's uh, no fun. So I bought Star Fox <laughs> command. I bought uh final fantasy tactics, a two. And I bought uh, Phantom Hourglass. Wow, yes. man. Uh, all for like $40 or under. That's pretty good. Yeah, each, man. each, by okay. the way. Yeah. That's that's good. You know, I the last time I interacted with my 3, 3DS uh, was to just buy games on the shop because <laughs> I was like, well, this is, I better just buy Dragon Quest Eight. I bet I'll w- wish I did in the future. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's all. That's also worth a lot of money physically, and it's mm. something I've never even opened is Dragon oh, yeah. Quest Eight. I guess my physical eight is probably over there. Yeah. My other 3ds games. Uh, a lot of the latter 3ds games are worth a ton of money because they weren't printed in great quantity so they're Especially worth like dragon quest yeah, yeah. <laughs> i saw a box copy of that for 200 dollars. so Whoa. yes hmm. okay. so if you're moving you might not want to have a fire sale that's true and you Man. can sell p- things directly to people on discord oh boy i really like that henry's well. having a savings event <laughs> uh you know uh yeah man no, I've thought about that before, like selling stuff on eBay or stuff like that. It's like giving yourself another job as well. Yeah. But uh, there would be a waste to like throw some of this stuff away or give it to like half price books for a nickel. You now, know? we're privileged enough. If you have a Twitter following or a Discord where people know who you are, sell it to them. Yes. Yeah. Just say, hey, I'm selling these things. Here's my <laughs> PayPal. First come, first serve. There's your business tip. Get yourself a dedicated <laughs> group of fans and they'll sell it to them on a Discord. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> st- step number one is the most important. <laughs> Let's move on to questions and comments for this recent round of episodes. The first episode is The Lastest Gun in the West. And Brian Benelli says, a slight correction, Wyatt Earp meets the mummy is most likely a reference to an infamously bad and really cheap film called Billy the Kid versus Dracula. Star John Carradine would later go on to say, I have worked in a dozen of the greatest and I have worked in a dozen of the worst. I only regret Billy the Kid versus Dracula. Otherwise, I regret nothing. <laughs> wow. And this is Bob speaking. He probably forgot about Red Zone Cuba. I mean, he's not even really in that movie. He, no. He probably, Coleman Francis probably told him like, you know, oh, we're filming another movie and just like, hey, no, all the way to hell. Like there. Done. Yeah. <laughs> hey, with a, with a penny and a broken cigarette. That's right. You yeah. got to do the whole line, Henry. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. it was, and then he sings Night Train oh, to Mundo Fiende. That's Fiende. true. So you know what? He knew what he was in. Yeah. Night Train. Rain. God, love that. Red Zone Cuba, one of, one of the all-time best. Well, Although not, not... Edited correctly as well. <laughs> yes. Too. Not for first-time uh, Misties. No, uh, no. It's, it's a slog if you have not... Or if you're not used to the that form of comedy... It's it's like a gray movie where nothing happens, but the jokes are very funny. It is it is like the escargot of MST3K. You don't want to give it start a f- person off with that for the series, yeah. But I know nothing about the this movie. No, me neither. I know that uh, based on Rift Tracks movies, uh, when John Carradine was in his last years, they would just like wheel him onto the set of a horror movie, and he'd be <laughs> in it like remotely for about yeah. five minutes. Boy, it's you know with Bruce Willis today, they eventually call it elder abuse, and they stopped doing that. But for John Carradine back then, no such protections or societal norms uh, keeping him safe there 
Uh, also on the episode, Ron Sterling says, all right, I know you said no cast iron talk, but I got to dispel the myth. They're really not that fussy. You can wash them with soap and water. You don't have to re-season them constantly. Just rub them down with vegetable oil after cleaning. As for scrubbing, I've got one word for you guys. Just one word. Deglazing. Uh, also too complicated. I don't like having to feed the pan after yeah. I'm done cleaning it. <laughs> uh, talk, feed the pan, not feed me. Feed the pan. Uh, yeah. By the way, I've been showing my husband Mr. Show for the first time, and we're... We, I was like, all right, we got to start with season one. And I tell him, like, look, there's three good sketches in season one. Season one. Reason people don't talk about don't it. Don't start with season one. Uh, I, that's my advice to all of you out there. There's no chronology. It's yeah. like, it, it's pretty rough. There's too much Ronnie Dobbs. And it's a lot of it's really tied to events of the time. Yeah, yeah. That they're so, and uh, most of the good cast isn't there yet. Like, even, well, he's not, you know, look, we all know Jay Johnston, not good now. But when he appears for his one scene in season one, I was like, God, where's this fucking guy the rest of the time? He's so funny back then in the 90s. <laughs> his, new, his new comedy character is not so funny these days. No, no. Yeah. I assume it's a character. But yeah, the Super Pan sketch. Yes. Yeah. But uh, but my husband was like, no, let's start from the beginning. Let's do it for right. And I'm like, OK, but it's not going to be good. Uh, but anyway, look, Ron, I trust you. But I hear this man be like, look, it's not that hard. You just got to do this and you do this. And then, of course, you got to do this. Like, I like washing my Instant Pot with soap and water <laughs> and calling it a day. Uh, and also, again, my my arms are too weak for a big, heavy pan. No, I... I they are heavy. Yeah, they are real heavy pans. Yeah, I'll tell you what. What's not moving to Seattle? That cast iron pan I haven't used at all. Uh, that's uh, that's going to be given away, I think. Melt it down. <laughs> give it to the city. <laughs> They can make a statue out of it. Uh, yeah. Did you buy a cast iron pan? I bought one okay. during the pandemic. I was like, you know what? I'm going to be one of these cast iron pan people. I haven't. I used it once. So I was like, God, this is fucking heavy. And now I gotta, I gotta put more oil on it. Forget this. We all yes. just need bigger sinks <laughs> or a kitchen island, perhaps. You know, it's one of those plans you have during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, you know what? I'll be a cast iron pan guy. I'll make pancakes in here, and it's. Uh, yeah, not worth it. I just no. I became slightly a Lego guy during pandemic, but I only <laughs> built I only built one set. <laughs> hey, that's more that's more than you built before the pandemic. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on to I married Marge. Uh, Alex McGee says, uh, hearing Lisa suggest naming the new girl Ariel reminded me of my own family and how my sister was named after a cartoon character. While I was named after my mom's two grandfathers, first and middle name, my sister was given the name Ariel by my father. However, she was born the year before Disney's The Little Mermaid premiered. My dad actually got the name from Princess Ariel of Thundar the Barbarian. Whoa! Yeah. That's, uh, Alex, that's amazing. And now you're... <laughs> why, why aren't you Thundar, McGee? Yeah. <laughs> I guess, you know, the grandparents got their uh, shout out instead of Thundar or Ukla the Mock. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty great that it's not, she's walking around school. Every kid thinks she's named after the Disney movie and it's like, no, no, Thundar the Barbarian, the incredibly forgotten thing. Uh, that was one of my, that was one of the most fun, weird ones we ever did. What there was a lot of uh, screaming in that show. Yes. Yeah. Okay. As, especially of Ookla because it's, it's Fred Flintstone going like, rawr, 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 especially when he's like tired, he goes, <laughs> and he's just a big a big furry monster i mean he's chewbacca okay like, he's a big so. chewbacca ripoff yeah it's basically like what if conan had a lightsaber and hung out with chewbacca and it was the future and yes but like the planet of the apes future mm. the bad future yeah hey uh, check out our water cartoon about that also when i married marge cat hayberg says my husband and I have some practical, yes, let's get married at some point discussions. And I told him I would only say yes if he proposed with an onion ring. 
mostly just to reiterate that I didn't want an engagement ring. I always thought he'd arrange to do it at the Simpsons trivia show we used to attend monthly, Stonecutters LA, but the pandemic happened and IRL trivia events stopped happening, and I basically forgot about it. That year for my birthday, we went hiking in Topanga Canyon because it was August 2020 and there was nothing else to do. Then, in one of the world's least likely places to find an onion ring, the top of a mountain in a part of LA where there's basically nothing open ever, regardless of pandemic, he proposed with a felt onion ring he ordered from Etsy. Oh, that's sweet. He should have added burning oil to it before he put it on your finger. <laughs> he should have at least made it very hot to hurt yeah. you. Yes, yeah. It's part of the experience. <laughs> but that's so sweet. Uh, and sadly, like, yes, a, a Simpsons trivia night is a perfect place to be proposed to with an onion ring. But unfortunately, the pandemic got in the way of, of so many plans, just like that one. But uh, I can't remember felt onion ring. That's so cute. That's very sweet. Uh, I appreciate the little touch mm-hmm. of uh, making your own ring out of felt. Yes. Yeah. Uh, or sorry, sorry, having one get made for you. Uh, mm-hmm. Still, still very sweet. <laughs> I forgot if I mentioned that we went to Simpsons trivia and we won. Did oh, I, yes. Did I mention you did that? do that. And I don't think I've heard it on a talk to the audience. Okay. No, well, yeah. that happened and we won first <laughs> you place. You ringers took it again <laughs> first prize first prize <laughs> that's so great uh yeah you know what we i don't think we ever won before oh, okay no wait we won the last time yeah that's but what i thought yeah, before okay. that we lost like a billion times in a row and we only won by one point wow it was a squeaker man i don't think i talked about it because man. uh one of the answers was wrong oh oh really and we had to be we had to become the like trivia like pe- pedants basically oh. and because it was the name of um the proprietor of the Springfield Antiquarian Society, and I know his name is Hollis Hurlbut, but it was spelled incorrectly as the answer, and I was just having like a panic attack. <laughs> wow! It's like no, I, I know his name, uh, and then we're like going over the answers. I'm like I'm googling it and like showing the trivia people, and I think they're just kind of like, all right, calm down. Yeah, like <laughs> we got to move on. Like, yeah. come on, this is really just a we're we're hoping you guys buy mozzarella sticks. Yeah, and, and, and expensive cocktail. I, I don't think spelling mattered, but I wanted them to know oh, if you're going to wow. run a trivia show, <laughs> you have to know the name of Hollis Hurlbut. Both names are actually dormitories at Harvard, by the way. Oh wow, that's what that he's named after. Wow, I did not know. Yes, that. sorry. Sorry, sorry to interrupt this, but I, I, don't, yeah, I don't think I ever talked about it. Maybe it happened while I was still there. I don't remember. Uh, while I was before Talk to the Audience. Oh, I don't we know. did record the Talk to the Audience while you were in Vancouver. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it might have. I think we might have even recorded it the day you did it or maybe like the it could day be. or two before. Yeah, yeah it was. Uh, yeah. So that that happened. OK, sorry. Moving on, everybody to uh, the old man in the key and all the trophy says. Well, first, they begin their statement by talking about having grown up. Visiting Branson on vacation as a child, they were nearby Branson. I cut out that part of the uh, the, the uh, comment, but I included the next part, which says, Of course, most of this was through the lens of a child, and it's much easier now for me to see its outside image and how it's steeped not just a uh, certain musty nostalgia, but also an attempt to embody the South itself. Multiple times we went to the Stampede Henry mentions, which at the time was called Dolly Parton's Dixie Stampede. And for those unfamiliar, it was basically medieval times, but for the Civil War... Obviously, the name has changed to distance itself from that image, though I'm not aware whether or not the North versus South aspect of production has changed at all. Man, to get to be like, well, you're seated in the South side, so Uh, you'd have to root for slavery to continue. That's also funny that that's in like, uh, again, Branson, Missouri, which is, you know, it it was a... uh, important part of slavery or not being a free state or not to being a free state uh back then so why that it is the staging ground for a dixie stampede which i believe it was in another comment that mentioned that um 
Dolly Parton herself in like I think 2018 chose to take Dixie out of it and and made it now Dolly Parton's Stampede. Uh, no use of the word Dixie, but I did not realize it was medieval times for the Civil War. So it's just like you're eating uh, a Civil War meal while a battle is happening in front of you or something. You know, I bet you it's still like something they would need, like actual like hard fried uh, yeah chicken fried steak or whatever and uh, you better get some biscuits with that that's it's like i'm sure they had these uh, jack daniels chicken wings during the civil war <laughs> in general the a lot of the stories of people who went to branson remind me of like oh yeah i like this as an innocent child who grew up in the south or it, it feels quaintly nostalgic to you and then when you go there as an adult you're like was everybody always this racist oh they were i just didn't know that as a little kid this this sucks now that's uh and and, and let alone visiting it with your husband i don't plan on doing that in my yeah. future no there'll be no talking simpsons branson show <laughs> uh joe uh, joe hodgson also says on the episode the xfl was vince mcmahon at the height of his hubris he thought he could take what worked for him on raw as war and apply it to football and take over the sport and boy was he ever wrong the product was terrible, but my friends and I did watch it, knowing it was terrible as sort of a running joke. We arbitrarily picked a favorite team since there was no local one to New Hampshire and basically acted like we lived and died with the sport because I guess we had nothing better to do. I have no direct memories of the games, and my strongest is just one of my friends, who chose the Demons, creating his own fight song that was just him grunting, priests can't stop the demons over and over i have absolutely zero confidence in another version of xfl actually working hey yes. third time's the charm for starting a football <laughs> league i guess it'll be the first one without vince mcmahon involved in it so mm -hmm. maybe that uh, and i don't think the rock will be as obsessed about it being the anti-woke uh, football league that vince mcmahon made uh, in 2020 Ooh. yeah it, it, it was entirely about i said on the episode but it was mainly started as uh, an attack on colin kaepernick no one's gonna kneel here <laughs> uh here's here's an extra funny detail from the xfl second generation that didn't uh that came up through a lawsuit because basically he tried to fire a coach who said you can't fire me you owe me 20 million dollars when he was on the stand vincent again was asked about how one of his rules was he wouldn't hire anybody who had a previous criminal conviction like a a criminal history and they asked him hey weren't you like tried for uh steroid crimes in the 90s and he's like and i was found innocent and he's <laughs> like but would you get to play? and they kept asking like but you couldn't play for your own league could you and he's like eh. he really didn't want to admit it but eventually he was forced to admit yes fine i couldn't play for my own league you got me but then he was still very rich after that quite rich yes <laughs> yeah even i mean he just got revealed to be a big old sex criminal yeah and, yeah within uh, the past couple of months i think yes yeah which uh if you're a wrestling super fan you probably knew it already but it hit the wall street journal and that's when you don't get to stay employed at a company at least for a year i still wouldn't be surprised if at 79 he comes back to his old job i think yeah. by making himself a character he's just insinuated himself too much into the world oh, of, yes. of uh, <laughs> wwe right yeah yeah i think uh, uh it's crazy it's, mm -hmm. uh, look i could go this could be a five-hour podcast if i talked about Vince McMahon. <laughs> moving on to what a cartoon movie comments for beavis and butthead do the universe uh, and alex irish says I watched this yesterday evening for the podcast, and it was really funny. I then watched the SpongeBob movie Sponge on the Run right after that. It gave me almost no laughs and is the worst SpongeBob movie of the three. Ooh. 
Uh, despite the CG animation being a spectacular translation of the original 2D art, it felt like the characters were just going through the motions. Conversely, Beavis and Butthead has less spectacular animation, but feels fresh and true to the voice of the characters. I guarantee they made me laugh long and hard. <laughs> and yeah, the new iteration is so great. I mean, we mm-hmm. don't need to talk about it anymore, but God, the new show is so funny. And so it, I, I still have to watch the last two of this season. Yeah, I haven't finished the season yet either. Maybe I'll watch them on the plane. Uh, but yeah, I, I love this new season a ton and that's a great comparison to the spongebob movie because uh you know i haven't heard how good or not that camp spongebob thing is but the, the spongebob the, babies the patrick show i've seen oh, uh, yeah. casey green talk that up on twitter okay so maybe that's the good one maybe that's where the good work is happening but that's funny to hear about that movie too because i like to imagine that alex watched it on paramount plus right after finishing uh do the universe he's like oh you know as long as i'm on paramount plus i'll watch the spongebob uh movie thir- number probably three. just played next <laughs> i will say about that patrick star show uh bob camp worked on it too oh really yeah i'm his friend on facebook and he tweeted about or facebooked about it and said oh they treated me so well on that show i recommend it oh, so that's super nice uh, oh, that's cool. apparently they treat their workers well on the patrick star show whatever it's called mm, that's nice. patrick's house <laughs> i don't know i guess you know spongebob does have a lot of ren and stimpy dna and some oh yeah uh, long time guys there yeah 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 uh also on the do the universe movie pumpkin bob says glad to have an excuse to revisit this movie so soon it was better than i expected honestly and i really love mike judge stuff while we're on the topic of mike judge stuff you guys reference tales from the tour bus as the mike judge country show at the start of the episode while this isn't exactly false it is only half true season one of that show was country and season two was all funk unfortunately there wasn't a season three and we never got to see what genre he would tackle next so yeah it's another on my list of, honestly mike judge is too prolific of shows that are good yeah like he's i i i probably will watch tales from the tour bus before i watch uh silicon valley i think yeah yeah <laughs> one one features tj miller and one doesn't or I, maybe he is on that show. I, I try. Know. I tried looking this up. Like, how do I watch this? It's one of those uh, those tricks where you just type in show blah 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 streaming and you click you know Google and then it shows you like it's streaming on Hulu and you're like okay cool. Uh, you click on Hulu and it's like you need the Showtime add on. In this case, it's the, it's a Cinemax show. Cinemax man. Who who is subscribing <laughs> to Cinemax in this day and age? Yeah, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I guess, do you even get the softcore porn if you sign up for it now? Have they stripped that away? Do you need it in this internet world of ours? I'm just saying, like, it would be a value add. If they didn't have that, it's like, then why am I even signing up for Cinemax? I don't know if if Emmanuel is on it. uh, (laughs) Emmanuel in space. It's the next generation. All the Red Shoe Diaries. But yeah, it's a Cinemax show? Okay, I think you can buy it a la carte somewhere else, but I'm always annoyed when you search something that's streaming and it's like, you need to subscribe to Showtime or Cinemax or like... uh, not discovery but something else like there i didn't know there were all of these like separate platforms that exist outside of hulu but they connect to hulu all these upcharges yeah Yeah. you know i i had a similar thing uh, actually with paramount plus i forget the movie but i i was looking up a movie and i was like okay we're you know doing the thing we all have to fucking do now of googling movie name streaming and yeah, it took me to a page like, oh, it's on Paramount Plus because Paramount Plus does just have straight up movies on there. But then when I clicked on it on my phone. It opened up the Paramount Plus app and it said like uh, it was a manual of like three steps on how to upgrade your account to watch Showtime stuff on here because they can't even do it in the fucking app because then they'd have to give a- Apple or uh, yeah, they have to give Apple money. Yeah. So then I have to like go to a, a website on my ugh, just 
black. Why is it so complicated? Yeah, I, I know. It's, it sucks, man. Yeah. The, the ne- Does Netflix even still send out Blu-rays if I wanted to try to do that? Do they I think do they do. I think they, there's still a service that does that. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I would do that either, <laughs> though. Well, they just upped their fucking price on that, too. I tell you. Ugh. Sucks. And Disney Plus raised their prices. Oh, and YouTube Premium. It's yeah. family plan just went up five bucks. I don't know why they're all raising at the same time. Because uh, they got us by the balls, man. <laughs> no one why. is having uh, worse problems than us, by the yes, way. Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, Let's move on. Uh, so there were no uh, comments for Tengentapa Garen Lagan, the episode of What a Cartoon, outside of like people excited that we were doing it, so I'm not including any. But thanks again to Devin for the great pick. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed watching the entire series again, and I think the episode came out really well. Hell yeah. Uh, moving on to the 30% Iron Chef, the Talking Futurama episode, uh, Nina Matsumoto has a bunch of uh, thoughtsu, as uh, she writes, <laughs> about the episode, and I, I broke this down into bullet points. I think she did, actually. Horse sashimi, or basashi, is delicious, but I understand if others are turned off by the idea. It's definitely more accepted in Japan. Uh, number two, uh, yellow bell peppers have a mild sweetness, and I enjoy them raw, along with red and orange. Number three, in Japan, it used to be that red and yellow and orange bell peppers were not commonly found in stores, but the Iron Chef opening helped make them more mainstream, and stores began stocking them as a result. Mm. Number four, yes, L.A. is pronounced L.A. The E-Z is always pronounced A-Y in French, like in Shay and voulez-vous. And don't pronounce the Z at the end of voo unless the next word starts with a vowel. All right. I fucked up there. That's, uh, that's on me. <laughs> yeah. uh, number five, I believe. If my memory serves me correctly, both, <laughs> both the chef oh, right, and the challenger are shown a small list of possible items before the competition so that they have some idea of what might come. But the final ingredient choice is a surprise item to them when it's revealed. Uh, number six, Iron Chef Italian, the youngest of the chefs, sadly died in 2019 at the age of 49 from a fatal fall in one of his restaurants. Uh, I think we're on seven now. I'm, I've lost track. Uh, <laughs> the next one, in the show's fictional lore, the new chairman is Chairman Kaga's nephew, and the last one is Kaga was Game Center CX's first pick to host the show, but his agent turned them down. Mm. And I think uh, choosing Arno was a better one. I don't think Kaga would have stayed with the show for 20 years. No way. Oh, man, he wouldn't t- He wouldn't fly to America to film it. Yeah, he's. I mean, he already stopped being the chairman after like five years, which is a perfectly normal amount of time for a major actor to give to a reality show. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, uh, the, the only... <laughs> I, I thank Nina for all of that information. I'm sad to learn about the Iron Chef Italy, uh, but that... Or Italian... Uh, but yes, you know that uh, I'll amend what I said. The thing I heard about, you, uh, you know, how they refilm stuff or all that, that wasn't a tell all article about Iron Chef America. Okay, okay. That, uh, that it sounds like it was more reality showy and fake. Uh, at least the judgments are real, but if just like, okay, they finished cooking a dish, but this isn't the dish they're going to serve to people. Like they, they're going to cook it again so it's fresh for the judgment. So, but uh, that was a ton of great info uh, that, that it was spreading the love of bell peppers to the Japanese society. Well, they are delicious. I'm glad they found out about them. No opinion on horse meat. <laughs> Mara the demon says spargle is wolfgang puck his restaurant is spago and dave herman's voice is totally an impression of him and uh, bob had uh, also another reference here oh yeah other point uh, people in the comments pointed out that spargle is german for asparagus and spargle sounds like spago mm-hmm. uh so people are pointing that out but yes yeah. we just did the episode where he was, he was like i like your rice crispy treats <laughs> that's right yeah. and he sounds uh, just like that and uh and good friends with james l brooks and that's how you get to be on the show be a celebrity chef who's good and he goes like brooks. to the puck mo- 
Batmobile or something. I forget <laughs> right, what it says. Right, right. With the pizza on it, which seemed random until we learned that, like, no, pizza was how he got famous it's in America. It's a salmon pizza. I want yeah. it. Smoked salmon pizza. Mm. Don't knock it, folks. Yeah. Fish is good on pizza. <laughs> I better have Vancouver smoked salmon that shipped without any packaging on now it. Now you'll be closer than ever to smoked salmon. Oh, boy. Yes. Yeah, I can't wait. You just yeah. dip your hand in the ocean. <laughs> comes out pre-smoked. We got to hurry up through these last ones, folks, uh, because we're recording something else really soon. So, Talking of the Hill, Peggy's Turtle Song is up next. First of all, lots of ADHD chat on the comments in the Discord. I'm happy that people uh, were not upset by anything we said because on Brother's Little Helper, we didn't do a lot of research. I don't think we said anything that we thought was definitive, but now that we have more time to record stuff, um, we were able to look more into it, and mm-hmm. I'm glad people were happy with what we said. But lots of people's experiences about with ADHD, uh, you can see those all on the uh, the Patreon comics and on the Discord. So thank you for sharing. Yes, and yes, I'm glad we didn't make so anyone much. mad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Andrew Diacetti says the fact of the matter is that despite being an incredibly common disorder, ADHD is still extremely underdiagnosed because of the stigma being carried over from the 90s, and it remains the most common diagnosis for people in the prison system. Most of whom do not discover that they have it until they're already incarcerated. Effectively, ADHD and some other related disorders have really set people up to fail. And an unspoken part of that history is that before it was ADHD, it was just a criminal personality like sociopathy, and that's how it was treated. And a lot of that remains in the modern day, despite what people tell you. We can talk all day about how things get better in terms of words, but the fact remains that a lot of us get shipped off to prison and never had a chance. I've had many encounters with police myself that could have gone badly, and if I wasn't white passing, they probably would have. So, Mm, uh... thank you, Andrew. Uh, That was just one of, like... a dozen comments I chose about ADHD and man. I and I read them all and I really enjoyed re- uh, reading about your experiences. Yes, there there are so many great ones, man. That's just so depressingly American that like, well, the answer is put him in jail. Yeah. Like, yeah, jail will deal with put it. Put him in a box. <laughs> uh, problem solved. Such a cruel and punitive system we have. I, I And I'm talking like I just listened to them say that on an episode of Citations Needed. And I did. That's <laughs> what I'm bringing up from. And finally, Drew Mackey said on the episode, I had never heard every good boy deserves fudge. My piano teacher gave it to me as every good boy does fine, which is worse because fudge is inherently funny. But thinking about this, I also remember that the mnemonic device I learned from base for the bass clef was girls buy dolls from America. And I am just now realizing how sexist that is. Boys do well. Girls just buy dolls. Man. Boys buy dolls, but they're from like Japan. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, they're action figures. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I had never heard of. Well, I mean, you know, that. The one mnemonic is much more common than a bass clef mnemonic uh, uh, for people who don't play the bass. I, I never heard of girls buy dolls from America. Why, yeah, why America? I don't know. I, yeah, I knew. I, I was also every good boy does fine, but I don't know what the GBDA uh, mnemonic device was in, in my music schooling. But the word fudge is just such a funny word. Fudge. I think that's why it was outlawed. <laughs> the word in my <laughs> Catholic true. school. Oh, right. Yeah. right. That makes sense. We've heard the jokes you're making. Uh, but thank you, Drew, for the uh, the insight into the the another of america's many sexist things just uh that's all part of the, just, the air supply it's part of the language yes yeah uh, but thanks for joining us folks Woo. uh just to wrap up here again uh what a cartoon movie is changing no more polls except for two months out of the year we are also uh, launching a uh, blab about batman the animated series a new season of that launches on november 11th and I believe that's the biggest news. But yeah, nothing is changing in terms of how the podcasts are rolling out, even though Henry is going to be moving soon and I'll be moving soon. So don't worry about that. And we've worked pretty far ahead. So we're prepared for any big changes to come. But that is basically it. Am I covering everything here? Yeah, yeah. And, okay. uh, oh, and I guess, you know, the, ne- the next movie is Paranorman. And the movie after that is going to be 
Tokyo Godfathers, just yes. if you want to pre-watch stuff to get ready. Mm-hmm. And yes, thanks for joining us, folks. We'll see you again for another episode of Talk to the Audience. See you later. Infotainment.